you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Aguiloa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Pat's interference. I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. I've got what I feel could be the number one playmaker in college football. Baker Mayfield. Dude's a stud. I'm 5'7", 130. Do you think I'm big enough to be either David Robinson or Tim Duncan? Get ready. It's going to be a good year. Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Pat's Interference. This is year four, episode four. This is our hashtag senior year. For those of you who may be new, this is a college football podcast that is centered around Alabama football. We also go through the rest of the NCAA, but we're not worried about that for a couple weeks. And for right now, we're just going to focus this episode on an Alabama team preview. So if you're an Alabama fan, this is going to be right up your alley. Got a lot of news to cover, a lot of things to cover. Alabama went through their first scrimmage on Saturday. We're going to go over that. We're going to break down position battles and go through the schedule and talk about the new schematics for Bryant-Denny Stadium which we're not too thrilled about, but we'll get there in a minute. My name is Patrick Norwood. I am joined by my co-host, Patrick Brittman. Brick, how you doing, buddy? I'm darn tootin'. I just figured I'd say that. You you opened our podcast with Howdy today. You I did. With, you went with Howdy. I like Howdy. Howdy Howdy's a good, like, I, I usually say Howdy. I, I just think it's funny, especially coming out of my mouth, if you know what I look like. I'm I'm not... A big guy. I'm he not is a rough. cowboy. He is rugged. Patrick Norwood is a rugged man. You're rugged. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the it's thing about beard. howdy is um, when somebody says howdy to you, notice they will always say howdy back. They don't go hello, hi. If you say howdy, they're going oh howdy. They get almost get caught right. off guard. You're 100 percent right. I've noticed that in the past that if I say howdy, either someone's caught off guard or they immediately say howdy back. How about? How you living? I like how you living. Kind of fat. See, then I just start rapping Nas. So <laughs> that's I can't a good. Really hey, do that's that. not a bad thing. You're a great yeah. rapper. No, nah, I, I mean Nas and I look alike. So, hello everyone. Uh, welcome again. Like we said, this is Pat's interference. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Should we just go ahead and get this out of the way? I think we should. Just do it. I, I on Twitter we're at pi underscore podcast. Fairly active on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook. We are Pat's Interference, that's P-A-T apostrophe S, Interference. We have our own website at patsinterference.com. Uh, you can send us an email at patsinterference at gmail.com. If you have any topics you want us to discuss, anything you want to bring up, you're upset, offended, whatever, by anything we say, just let us know. Uh, you know, if, if you want to leave us a comment, or you want to like us, or you want to even give us a rating on iTunes. Hey, shout out, we got it. We actually got a rating this week on iTunes. That's fantastic. I don't know if you noticed. Was it a good one? I don't know if we got a review, a written review, but we got a five-star, new five-star rating, which is big for us. Because, I'm just uh, saying, that's, that's our second one. Yeah. The podcast has been going four years. Alabama's made the championship all four years. That's right? Um, made the playoffs, but yes. Made the playoffs all four years. Yeah, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, you're forgetting about that Ohio State game. We should all forget that Ohio State game. Though. Well, no, that's, we won a podcast back then. We joined uh, the year after. Oh, you're right. So, yeah. No, well, it's all three years because this is our senior year, so it would make sense that oh, we this haven't is, gotten to that yes, point yet. This is our fourth year. Okay. Well, every yeah. year we've done it, though, we've made the playoffs then. And, yeah, I guess we have made the title game. So we are, Made the title game and won two of those three. So I'm, I'm just saying, you know, two five-star ratings and three national champ, 
national championship appearances for Pat's interference, I, I think is pretty good. Nick Saban keeps getting these extensions, but who's doing the real work here, people? That's what I'm saying. Oh, Pat my goodness. Year? It's senior year. The next year, I guess, will be NFL rookies, but we're not going to switch to an NFL no, no, podcast. No, no. It's going to be hashtag grad school. Hey, buddy, guess what? Mm. We're talking about practice, man. Ooh, let's get to it. We had a scrimmage on Saturday, my friend. A lot of people tweeting. Will Lowry really going off on Twitter uh, about the quarterback battle. Uh, rumors. Hmm. The there's, rumor mill. There's a quarterback battle going on? I guess so. I reckon. <laughs> We're really all over this cowboy thing today, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we are. We sure are. What's up, Dad? And I got really one more cowboy. for you. Okay, so Tua threw four touchdowns, apparently. Right, Jalen threw three picks. I don't know what that is. Jalen threw three picks from what it sounds like. Uh, whether or not this is true is still TBD. I don't think there's ever been any official word on it. But if this is the case, that looks pretty black and white to me, at least, as far as who the starter is, Brick. Yeah, you know, it's it's really up to Coach Saban if he decides whether or not to release official stats. Most people didn't expect him to because we would take everything that he said about the quarterback's uh, into, you know, whatever we want. But uh, there are people there, uh, Will Lauer included, people there that will write about it, um, tweet about it. It doesn't make Saban the happiest, but he, it's hard to control, I suppose. Right. But it happens, right. well, and I believe you got it. members I, of the Red Elephant Club, too. Those yes. are donors that give bukus and bukus of money, and what are they going to do, tell them to shut up? No. Exactly. So, I mean, their opinions and their thoughts and – even if they kept statistics, their statistics are going to be out there. Right. So we don't have official yards because Saban didn't release those. But people that are there can go, oh, two or through four touchdowns, which were reportedly the first one to Jerry Judy, which was more of a play by Judy. That one actually got uploaded to Twitter. So you can see video of that one from the Alabama football Twitter page. Uh, one and it went, looked good. It was good. And he juked out uh, Patrick Sertain, if I believe. Just a great play by uh, a receiver that's about to explode this year. Um uh, Tyrell Shavers apparently caught one, and then Kedrick James, the tight end, caught two from Tua, if uh, the you know rumors are to be believed. I don't know who would have intercepted Jalen three times. I don't know who would have. I think maybe I saw that maybe Savion Smith was one of them, but don't take my word on that. But, okay, so assuming that's true, just remember, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you that our first year of this podcast, or maybe our second year of this podcast, we were looking at scrimmages, and at one point... We thought because of a 70-something yard touchdown that Alec Morris was going to be our starting quarterback. Yeah. We were convinced. But with that said, how much do you take away from this quote-unquote knowledge? I think this is a little bit different than an Alec Morris touchdown pass. Uh, Hey, you put some respect on his name. If it really is four touchdowns to three interceptions... That's pretty damning evidence as far as I'm concerned. Um, even if it were, even if the numbers were three touchdowns, one pick for Tua, you know, one touchdown, three picks for Jalen. I mean, it's, that's bad. That's bad. And people notice interceptions. It's not like a play where we're not talking about a linebacker making a tackle. You're talking about an interception. This is a momentum-changing, game-changing play. It's not something that people would just miss, you know, uh, not see correctly or misreport or anything like that. This is this is something that's pretty set in stone. So, uh, you know, I've got to go ahead and say that the rumors are, if not all the way true, mostly true. Uh, and this puts Tua, in my mind, way ahead by leaps and bounds. Uh, now, 
obviously with everything that Jalen has said, with everything that uh, has come out afterward, uh, with Saban's response and everything like that, this is a very delicate situation. The University of Alabama and Nick Saban have to be very careful with how they handle this situation because uh, you never know when, you know, tomorrow Tua could walk out at practice and tear his ACL, right? Right. You never know. You never know. Uh, but from all things reported, the sources that I trust most being mainly Cecil Hurt as one of them, uh, Aaron Suttles as another one, both of them saying that at this point Jalen is battling for a backup position with Mac Jones. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty damning evidence to me. And I'm excited for the reign of Tongo Vailoa as long as it may last, whether it's just Tua or it's Tua and Talia, I, you know, I don't know, but uh, I, I'm excited for it if that is the direction we're going. Here's what I thought when I, when I first saw three interceptions from Hertz, because uh, he threw one all of last year. And when I see three in a scrimmage, that tells me that he's he's pressing. Because to be honest, the reason that, that Hertz threw one interception last year isn't because he's an accurate passer like McCarron was as a senior, right? Remember McCarron had like two or three his entire senior yes. year? It's not that. It's not. It's it's more of an anomaly of the fact that he doesn't take chances on the field, yes. which is something if that he, Saban. If he thinks there is any chance that the ball is going to get intercepted, he's scrambling. Right. I can remember one time last year where he really, really did something he absolutely shouldn't have. It was in the Auburn game when he was pressing when we were losing. So he's pressing right now. He knows that he's trailing this competition. I think it's obvious to him. I think he probably saw one or two nice touchdowns from Tua and started, all right, I got to start making some throws. And the defense capitalized on that. I don't think that's a bad thing for Jalen, that he's kind of like snapping into, oh, I need to take chances. I need to show I can do what he can do. It's probably good for him as a quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, AL.com released their article, you know, the momentum is building for Tua. After that one hit, there were a bunch of other articles saying that it's, it's Tua, it's Tua, it's Tua. The Vegas odds have Tua as the huge betting favorite. Um that's I guess that's all we'll say for now because we are going to preview the team. We are going to talk specifically about the quarterback's strengths and weaknesses and what we like about him. So let's move on from that. Another big thing from the scrimmage, uh, Najee Harris kind of banged up. You know, yeah. Are you hey, you almost freaked out on me though. I uh, eh, you almost did a little. I was freaking a little. Out. I was freaking out too. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I wasn't thrilled by the news but I, I i've told you year after year i feel like if there's two positions we can lose a player it's running back and linebacker true but now it's just running back and maybe receiver uh yeah i i don't know i always believe in our linebackers but uh yeah Najee harris originally it was reported as an ankle injury it's not that bad uh the next day it was ankle injury it's really bad now it's a foot in or yesterday was a foot injury now it's a foot injury and he could just be out for Maybe the first game, worst case scenario, the first two games. Yeah, he's. Uh, I guess he's on a boot. He's got a boot and the little scooter thing going on at practice. Um, he's got a boot. Saban's comments today, uh, or I guess yesterday, since it is, uh, you know, the seventeenth for both of us now. Yes. Uh, yesterday, his comments were: our trainers thought it would be best if he was in a cast. That's why he's in a cast. He could play by the first game. We just don't really know. Listen, if he's not um, ready to good. roll in the first game, don't just – we got enough running back. He has to be – now, don't I want him it. to play. Obviously, he's tremendous, and I think he has Heisman potential. But 
dude, you wait, you wait till he's hundred percent. I mean, Josh Jacobs will step right in, and I, Louisville's pa- rush. Brian Robinson. Why Brian you Robinson. Going to Josh Jacobs. Uh, well, you know, just everybody. I'm saying Jerome Ford, the freshman, will run all over Louisville if we let him. Their their defense, uh, at least from a run defense standpoint, has has in the past been atrocious. Yeah, but he did say it's not a long term, and we think it should not be a significant problem uh, for the opener. Yeah, so. I I think you just let him sit. I I think you just let him sit it out till he's 100 percent or even a week past when he says he's 100%. There's no reason in rushing it and getting him more injured. Ah, just let him sit. Oh, come on. Just let him sit until, uh, you know, the Auburn game, and then he can redshirt. <laughs> no one's got any tape on him. He can just run all day, right? Right. And, he'll, you know, he'll play the last four games, and then he can redshirt, and then we'll have him as a sophomore next year. Okay. okay. So, Anything else you want to cover from the scrimmage? No, we'll, we'll have some more camp news after the second scrimmage. I think we'll have a little bit more to talk about next week as far as that goes. We can move on. Uh, Let's go into our Bama preview. Uh, This is where we go by uh, sort of position by position, do a quick breakdown on some of these positions, a little bit longer on some of them. Uh, For instance, I don't remember the last time tight ends were important at Alabama. We're going to talk about them, obviously, but it's just not something that uh, we really need to spend a ton of time on, not like our quarterback battle or the wide receiver core that is – Literally the most stacked wide receiver core I think I've ever seen at Alabama. You're right uh, about that. So let's start first things first. We've touched on it a little bit. Uh, Hurts and Tua. Hurts and Tonga Vailoa. We've heard it over and over and over and over and over again ever since uh, the end of last season up to Jalen's comments through media days. We've heard it over and over and over again. So let's have our Pats interference definitive conversation about the quarterback battle at this is, Alabama. Hey, this is what people want to hear. L- listen. This is it. This we is why we they should put in, in our uh, d- description of this podcast, skip forward to 14 minutes to hear about the quarterbacks. That People want to hear about this stuff, baby. All right. All right. You have on the headset. I have on the headset. You're the coach of the University of Alabama, Crimson Tide. The first offensive snap goes to you know what i think jenny i think it's it we both we will preface this by saying we both far and away believe and believed post national championship uh, believed post iron bowl that it should be tua yes. we both believe that you we both think he should we both think i, I he's will earned say it. this last season i was more hesitant because i was worried about shaking hurt's confidence in the event that Tua came in and was terrible. Right. Tua comes in, throws three picks, and now Jalen's pissed because we pulled him. True. Yeah. That, that I was I was more concerned about that. I was interested to see how he would do, but I didn't think it was right to put him in the national championship game. That's why Saban's a legend, and I'm doing a podcast. Be things as it may. What happened, happened. And we're so glad that it happened. But now sure. we are cursed. We're so cursed to decide between a blue chip elite 11 national championship super demigod and a guy that was sec offensive player uh, or sec offensive player of the year freshman of the year 26 and 2 you hear that stat all the time we're so burdened to have to decide between this but what does in your opinion make Tua Tonga Vailoa better for Alabama than Jalen Hurts who's been so successful i'm going to answer this question with another question classic what is 
my number one rule for Alabama football as far as the offense is concerned? Um, oh, RTB, run the ball. Run the ball. If you have an effective quarterback who can toss the ball downfield, what does that do? Oh, that opens up the running game. Thank you very I much. I think you're it's- starting to realize some of the stuff I said after a while about Jalen, and, and we uh, we couldn't. We couldn't run the we, ball we, because no. we couldn't throw the ball. And here's the thing. If you start giving people a Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, uh, Henry Ruggs III, and Tua combination, where they're just, even if they're just popping you for 8 to 15 yards at a time, that's a pretty quick way to lose a football game. Uh, so you start to sort of fall back. You start to cover. Maybe you even double up on Jerry Judy. You double up on Devontae Smith. You double up on Henry Ruggs III. Uh, maybe Hale Hinches. Maybe Irv Smith Jr. Maybe some of those guys are having a big game. You start double up on those guys. Then all of a sudden you got Damian Harris between the tackles and he's gashing you for six yards of play. Uh, you've only got five minutes left in the third quarter and you're down by ten. Right, because because if, if two is a quarterback and Alabama goes and lines up in the same formation, Seattle as they call it, that won the national championship and we show that same formation – where are those defenders going to go? They're going to go backwards, right? It's like in they, baseball. They've got to protect the hat. It's like in baseball when the coach says, hey, step back, step back, step back. This guy can jack it. And then he hits a short single right in front of where he was standing because the running backs can get to that lane now. It, but if Hertz is in there and we're showing Seattle, those defenders are coming up, baby. They're like, right, come on, come on, come on. Oh, we dare you to throw the ball. It's, 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 it's simple. It's as simple as you want it to be, but it's entirely complex at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes, for sure. For sure. And I think, uh, you know, I think something interesting that you and I saw this week that other people probably saw uh, that we can sort of bring up now, I think is an appropriate time to bring bring it up, is the video that was put out this week. I don't know the guy's name. Uh, there was an hour-long video of all the downfield reads that Jalen either missed or ignored uh, last season. And it, was it was fun watch. Just, it was painful. It was painful. It's funny because um, you can watch that. You can go, this is painful. And at the same time, you're watching a team that won the national championship. It yeah. sucks to be an Alabama fan, dude. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I always, after seeing that video, I kept asking people when I would send it to them, how good could Calvin Ridley have been had he had a quarterback that could have gotten the ball? Literally tonight, Cam Sims Jaylen... killed it for the Redskins. Clutch the, the catch thing, after clutch yeah. catch for the Redskins. Absolutely. I mean, just huge, huge game. But the thing is, you get back there, and I had forgotten, especially in the Mississippi State, the Arkansas, the Texas A&M games, games that aren't necessarily vital to the success of Alabama football, but it, it's good to have a clearing consensus win. How many times Jalen Hurts underthrew, threw behind, overthrew on the sideline a wide receiver? It, it's it's just painful. It's completely painful. And I always want I'll always wonder how much better Calvin Ridley could have been with somebody, not even Tua, just anybody that could have gotten him the ball consistently. Hell, AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy. I mean, like just Sims. guys, 
that could get people the ball consistently because with Jalen, you just don't have that. You've got someone who wants to roll out, run to the sideline, and try and hit a guy down the sideline or downfield after the fact on the run, or worse, he throws off his back foot. I got you. I'm not here to take a dump on Jalen. Well, kind of. I'm here to Let's fart. Call it what it I'm is. here that's to exactly fart on Jalen. <laughs> we feel bad about it, but that's what we're doing. I'm here to fart on Jalen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, but, okay, I think because we were, at one point on this podcast, we were kind of propping Jalen up to be a future legend. And he was on his way initially, but... I think he has benefited. We talk about 26 and 2. I'm so tired of hearing about 26 and 2. I get that, but this isn't, you know, Baker Mayfield winning 26. It's Deshaun Watson revitalizing a, a program. This is Jalen Hurts stepped into an already dynasty and benefited from the best team in the country, uh, the SEC being more down than it's been in a decade. And the fact that Alabama the last two years has had a schedule that doesn't really challenge them with a great team until November, right? We started off against Florida State, and Florida State was a great team the day Alabama played them. I'll give them that, but it wasn't he didn't he, he didn't wow anybody that game. Um, I mean, the last time we played a really really good team early in the season that could run with Alabama with a bad quarterback bad quarterback play was three years ago when we lost to Ole Miss at home. We started Cooper Bateman. The quarterback play was atrocious. Copper and Batman. Ole Miss beat us. Copper Batman. Ole Miss almost beat us the next year because our quarterback play started bad. He came back, right? Jalen Hurts has a clutch gene, slight clutch gene. I'll give him that. But he has benefited from being on Alabama, having those teams. At the same time, the SEC LSU being down. Auburn being down until last year, um, uh, you know, all Ole Miss going back down to the the doldrums, and the, you know he's benefited from that. So that's why he's twenty six and two. He's a good player. He's a good player. He is. He's a I, below I average quarterback, he's a quarterback and a good he's college a good player. But that's the thing. Nobody else says that for any other position. You don't just say, you know, that such and such. Nobody goes. Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the NFL, is a good athlete, right? He's a, he's, a, he's a great player. He's a great corner. He is a great cornerback. But you don't go, hey, Deion Blue's not a good corner, but he's a great athlete. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're a good athlete. You should be a good athlete. You're playing college football. Okay, I, again, I'm not – I think Look, we I would under, potentially – I understand, but there's a difference between being a quarterback and being an athlete. Yes. Period. And – at some point, you have to understand, and I understand your argument against the twenty-six and two. Brick, he went twenty-six and two at the most elite program in the nation, right. and I, I understand your argument where it's oh, you know, all these other teams were down, all these other teams were down, and you kind of touched on his clutch gene. You're completely forgetting the fact that yes, and I will be the first to admit, Jalen Hurts is the reason or one of the main reasons that Alabama lost the championship in 2017. Yeah, he was he one of the main reasons. He's he one of the main reasons left we the field with 2 minutes left and the lead after a very clutch drive. That does not happen with anyone else back there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll call it like I see it. It's not going to happen if two is back there. Oh, you're talking about the I, run? No, but we wouldn't have gone three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and no, out the entire and second half I with agree, two of back I there. I agree. But I'm talking about the clutch factor. 
yes, two is really, really good. He made a great pass at the end of the game last year. You cannot tell me that if Georgia handles that play correctly, Tua makes that pass. Uh, maybe. He fits it into tight tight windows. Sure, absolutely. But we've seen it with Jalen. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You I know, know you're that playing, I think Tua I know you're better. playing devil's advocate. I'm just let saying, me, let, here, I'm here's just my saying response right to that. Now, We've seen more of a clutch gene from Jalen Hurts than we have Tua Tungavaloa. I completely disagree. I've got so Tua came back from down multiple scores in the title game in a game that Hurts was never going to be effective in. But Brick, uh, that's that's one game. Here, hear me out. Here's what I think the difference between this these two are. When we play good teams and two and 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 Hurts is we've beaten those teams, and it's you know remember that his touchdown run against LSU his freshman year when it was like a, you know. We were, I remember. Yeah, yeah. It was, we were winning seven nothing. I don't remember what the score was, and he ran it in. And we won. Um, he, yes, he plays poorly to the point where he has to make that play, and he makes the play most of the time, Completely except twice. Agree. He didn't do it in the Iron Bowl. He didn't do it against Clemson in the national championship uh, against Mississippi State. He was garbage. I rewatched that game very recently. Terrible. He was trash for three quarters, other than wide open. If it wasn't for Calvin Ridley breaking two 70-yard plays, we're losing that game in the fourth quarter by 17, 21 points. And he, he made the, well, Devontae Smith made the play, but he made the throw he needed to make. Here's the thing. With Tua, I don't think it ever gets to that situation. I think Alabama's put Mississippi State away by the fourth quarter. I think they're I beating Auburn in the fourth quarter. I think they I beat Clemson what in the I'm national championship. What I'm saying is, when it comes down to the last drive, Jalen has proven himself. That's all I'm saying. If we need three drives to win a title, two has proven himself. I agree. I Look, I'm totally with you. You look at Clemson, the national championship in 2017. The very last drive to have left the field with two minutes left with a lead. With the greatest defense Alabama's ever put on the field running back out onto the field against Deshaun Watson. Now, sometimes you just lose. You just get beat. That's what happened that night. He also did it against Ole Miss. He also did it against Mississippi State last year. I, I know, I know he, you're playing devil's advocate, but I am, I am. But the thing is, the people who are sitting here saying, and you and I are guilty of it, saying, "Oh, he's just, he's trash. He's trash. He's terrible. He's terrible." Yes, sometimes. I'm not saying he's even but terrible, you, but, but he's incredibly you But you easy can't to sit stop. here and say he's terrible all the time when he's come up clutch in those three very important games. I'm not saying he's terrible. All right, I, I'm saying I think he is very easy to stop if you have the horses to do it. If you're, yes. if you're, if you're, you know, um, uh, Ole Miss, you can play him perfectly. But because Alabama's defense or offensive line is a th- is is thirty three percent bit larger than you, and and they've got the wide receivers, and you just don't have what they have. But Clemson, um, uh, uh, Washington, Auburn, uh, Clemson again, Georgia, Auburn again. I mean, they have found out the way. Hey, we recruit well. To, they'll shut them down. And I think if Jalen goes to a team that doesn't have those horses. Right, if he goes to FAU, he's. I think he just kind of fades out of existence. I know he's a good player; he'll have some highlight runs, 
But he's not going to, oh, like, and, and don't get me wrong, if Jalen Hurts becomes that quote-unquote biggest free agent in college football history, like his dad said, yeah, 75 of college, 75% of college football teams will be going, hey, we could really use him. Yeah. But, you know, if he, if he transfers to Ole Miss, say, and Ole Miss decides to start him, and now he's having to play not with this defense, but against six of them in a season, and he doesn't have the offense that he had at Alabama, it's... He's just another guy. I think the worst thing that Jalen Hurts could do for his career if he decides to transfer is to go somewhere in the same conference. Oh, he should not go to the... I, ooh, I, I've been... Yeah, I'm 100% on board with that. Uh, I think that would be the worst decision he could make. So, let's talk about this. This is an interesting question, then we'll wrap up our quarterback discussion. What is... And I like the way you phrased this in our docket. What is our ceiling with each guy this year? What is the maximum best-case scenario with both guys as the starter? I think with Tua, it, it the ceiling is it takes the offense to a height that Alabama and perhaps college football hasn't seen, really. like that The, the amount of talent that Alabama has amassed at each skill position, and you give it a guy that can sling it in those tight windows and can move the team and, and actually open up everything, every option. We have not had every option open since McCarron because we have had a we have not had an elite quarterback since McCarron was a senior, and we had a great offense that year. Even with Blake Sims, we had a great offense, and there were certain things we couldn't do. I think with Tua, they can do everything. Remember when FSU was, was piddling around with EJ Manuel, and he was okay but not great and had a sure. lot of faults. And then the next year they add Jameis Winston, and they had those – you know, those those receivers and running backs and offensive line, and that was the highest-scoring offense of all time. Sure. I think Alabama could be the highest-scoring offense of all time if it's, if it's you know, if Alabama decides to play every game and don't, not t- take their foot off the gas at halftime. I, I I don't see Alabama not taking their foot off the gas at halftime. I, do, just, I don't either. If Alabama's winning 31 nothing at half, it's Mac Jones' time, <laughs> or potentially Jalen, but probably Mac Jones' time in my opinion. I, I I agree with you. Uh, I I will. I'm going to take it a step back. I I don't think it could be one of the greatest offenses of all time. The only reason I'll say that is because I don't have a large enough sample size from Tua yet. Okay, my sample sizes of Tua were Tennessee, who is horrible last year, Vanderbilt, who is worse than Tennessee, and the national championship game in which Georgia was the second best, maybe even the best complete team in the country last year. And he played great for a half of football, but he threw an interception. And I want to see if those mistakes multiply when and if he becomes the starter. Because if they do, then here's your ceiling. He, I, I definitely think Alabama wins a conference championship, but if he is injury prone or interception prone i think that the playoffs and the national championship are in huge huge danger for alabama this year see i i I really do i fully expect jalen or not jalen hurt sorry to a tongue of iloa to throw um i'll I'll give it 10 I, i fully expect a minimum of 10 interceptions, and i'm okay with that i i dude i really i am okay with that number. I'm okay with 15. Deshaun Watson, 
had over 20 interceptions his last year at Clemson. Their offense was incredible, and they won a title. Jameis Winston threw a ton of interceptions his last year at FSU. The offense was incredible, and they went to the playoff. Interceptions aren't the end of the world. It's, yes, they suck, and if you do them in the fourth quarter of a tied game, it double sucks. But they're going to happen when you have a dude with that arm talent. It'll just happen. I'm okay with okay, more mistakes look at, if it means look more at the payoff. conference those two teams you just mentioned play in. Because it was How is an interception high, so much worse? It's a high worse? offense conference. What was that? It's a high offense conference. Which one? The ACC? The ACC. Uh, so is, uh, it, it's really not that it's 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 really not that different. I swear. It's I would rather I, have one interception in an West effective is, passing game than seven three and outs in one half. I think the SEC West is the most challenging football division to play in no, on both that. sides of the ball, period. I, I get that. But again, I would rather have an interception in the second half than seven three and outs. I just would. If we can have an effective passing game and that means an interception here and there, give it to me. Right? He might throw two interceptions against Arkansas this year, but if he has 400 yards, I don't give a damn. I mean, I'll be mad at the interceptions, but it's better than the alternative, which is Jalen Hurts throwing for 97 yards, averaging 2.3 yards in attempt, and our running backs are, you know, just having to carry the load all the time. And we or win, there are leading receivers in a game. You know, and we win 28-17. Yeah. So, uh, to put a bow on it, you and I both think Tua is going to be the guy. Uh, now that you mention, you know, running the ball, how about we get to that side of the ball? Yeah, let's calm me down a little bit. <laughs> I gotta... uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and take this if you want to take a breather. We talked yeah. about Najee Harris earlier. Uh, hurting his foot shouldn't be too serious. You and I don't think you should play for the Louisville game. Sit out, rest if you need to. There's no reason in hurting yourself any worse. Plus, Damian Harris is trying to do something that only, I think, two or three players in the SEC have ever done. Uh, maybe it's more than that. It may be closer to five or six, but have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, which is very impressive. Uh, Damian Harris, a guy who was the, uh, dare I say, star at SEC Media Days for Alabama, someone who's very well-spoken, uh, someone who people forget, his in three consecutive games last season, one of his first three runs in each of those games went for at least 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's a really, really impressive statistic to me. Uh, he's a guy that's lost a lot of weight this offseason. He's trying to get his speed up. And if that's the case, he's going to be a dangerous force in the SEC, especially if Alabama can move the ball down the field in the passing game. That opens up the run game like we talked about earlier. Josh Jacobs, last year a great third down back the year before. Looked like he was going to be in the mix for maybe a backup role. Obviously, with the enrollment and play of Najee Harris, he kind of got shifted a little bit. Uh, he was also injured last year. Uh, and they'll be bouncing back from that this year. He's a great back, but I'm not exactly sure he's better than Robinson, uh, who really showed out last season, who's really been making waves uh, in fall camp from what everything sounds like and in the A-Day game uh, this past spring. Uh, Brick, you, you've also got Ford and Clark. Tell us a little bit about those two guys. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Clark has been in Alabama for, uh, I don't know, 18 years now. Um Fan favorite, love Ronnie Clark, but he's never really going to come. Jerome Ford was the guy we added in this class, right? And we kind of felt that I didn't know what to think about Robinson last year. Brian Robinson was, you know, 
we had Najee. And it's like, oh, and then there's this Robinson guy. And, yeah, cool, he got to, he's coming to Alabama. He'll play probably some. Who knows? Ford could show out like uh, Robinson did. Ford could come in and show out like Jacobs. Jacobs was a three-star coming in Alabama. I don't know much about Jerome Ford, but at this point I go, if Nick Saban wants to add him to our running back stable, I, he, could, he could be great. You know, if, if we – has there ever been a more underrated player in the Saban era? We've said it before, but Damian Harris – I mean, I know you and I love him, but really, like, he does just – I, I think it is a little bit of the Hurts factor. The Hurts got all the attention the last two years, but... I think it's part of the uh, Derrick Henry hangover, too. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, because he, he doesn't get talked about the way Henry did or, or Trent Richardson or Mark Ingram. He, you know, he didn't win the Heisman or anything, but he keeps running for 1,000 yards. He keeps averaging seven, eight yards a season per carry, and it's it's just insane that he's not even... It's He gets talked about less than TJ Yeldon used to. And I know how much you dislike him. Well, you don't dislike him, but you just you know don't favor him in that mix. But he gets talked about less than Yeldon did, honestly. And so yeah, he's, yeah. it's about the same. But people don't, and as, you know, not until very recently at least, start talking about Damian Harris. It's just crazy, and he's awesome. And I, I think I, I could actually see Damian Harris having a better pro career than you know some of these other guys that we've had. I think he's. I just love the way he runs. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great but between the tackles. But there's something about him that people don't really find love. sexy, and I can't put my finger on it. What yeah. is it that people don't find sexy about him? He's very sexy. And he wears those thick glasses. It's, he looks smart. It's, it's such a weird word. <laughs> but, you know, you know what I mean. You know, people love, you know, Derrick Henry was talking about all the time. He, you know, all it the was, time. It was just the physique. Yeah. I mean, Richardson was obviously probably, uh, during his time at Alabama, Richardson was probably the most popular running back we've had as far as a national scape. Um, Ingram as well, but I think Richardson was talked about in the highest breath uh, during his time at Alabama. Harris should be up there, man. Um, and so that, yeah, you know, how do we keep Najee, Damian, Jacobs, and Robinson? How do we here's, keep all of here's them the thing, happy? You don't. You don't. I... I... I'll be very honest with you. I don't. I don't think there's any way we've got all of these guys by the end of the season. I I would agree with that because you know remember a couple years ago we had, um, we had Henry, we had Kenyon Drake, we had uh, Alvin Kamara, Alti Tenpenny, rest in peace. We had all those guys. We couldn't keep mm-hmm. them all happy, and they were all four stars or five stars. All of them. Uh, look at look at a couple years before that. You had Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, T.J. Yeldon, and D. Hart. Well, they all stayed happy except D. Hart got kicked off the team. That's a little. Well, I guess Alvin Kamara got kicked. No, he transferred. I can't remember. Uh, Alvin Kamara got suspended and then transferred. And then transferred. Ten Penny rest in Ten Penny got, got kicked, kicked off, off the team. The team. Yes, uh, but yeah. still, um, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. It's hard so it, to. It, it happens every year. Now, if you're asking me, if if you tell me, hey, at the end of the season, you still got all four of these running backs. If you if you came back from the future and told me that, and then you ask me, how do you think this happened? I I say extreme rotation among the backs where you really rotating them in and out and getting them a lot of carries and you're bringing them down uh, or bring, excuse me, bring them in in certain downs and distances and situations that a, they're comfortable with B, they excel at and C, they can get a lot of yards at. So you're saying if they all have a defined, you don't want them to come in there and be blocking dummies, right? You're saying if they all have a very defined role, yes, that might work. Like we said, Josh Jacobs, very 
vital role last year uh, in third down situations, that third and seven, third and eight sort of situation. He was a great guy to come in, run a wheel route, run a little slant pattern over the middle, something like that, uh, just to keep guys on their toes. It's another guy out of the backfield. There wasn't a lot of tape on him because, like I said, he was injured for a lot of the year. Um, you know, you got Brian Robinson who had come in uh, in the national championship game. Brian Robinson he came in, I think. Uh, maybe maybe it was just the Clemson guy. But, I mean, he has playoff experience, Yeah. right? Um, Ronnie Clark, like you said, he's been there forever. Ronnie Clark, I think, came in, if it wasn't the same class, it was the class after Bo Scarborough. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, and he's. I think he's a redshirt senior, so this is his last year. To, you know, he, yeah, he's, remember, there, he's there. I was, to, I was still working you know. at WVUA in Tuscaloosa when Ronnie Clark was getting uh, was getting recruited. Wow, that's a long time. That's a long you're, time. You're, you're long so time. you're you're so old, dude. Um, okay, I, but obviously Damian Harris leaves, Clark leaves. The other four can't, right? Harris is a sophomore, true sophomore. Jacobs, no, Jacobs is a junior. He could potentially leave but he probably won't um he won't have the numbers to get drafted that high in the nfl unless he goes on i don't know i yeah it's gonna be hard to keep all four happy um i think people i think we've fully explained our i think i think you either lose jacobs or robinson by the end of the year Mm. i would hate to i would hate to lose either unless it was to the nfl Um, but i completely understand it if we do yes let's go on to Wide receivers, which we said earlier in the podcast, you said uh, so beautifully, if I may. Uh, you said that's probably we've our wide receiver are as talented as we've ever seen at Alabama, ever. I'm I'm trying to think of another and, uh, gosh, maybe the guys that Blake Sims and Jake Coker were throwing to you had Cooper, Stewart, DeAndre White. Even then, I mean, I'm reaching for DeAndre White as a guy who is that talented, and I think you and I both know he was a great, great wide receiver. But I think I'm being a little generous there. Yeah, he was a good receiver. I mean, he was Dar- you know, he was a little better than like a Darius Hanks. He was, you know, he's another da- Kenny Bell in there. We're just saying, sure. we're just saying some names. Uh, let me get there. Sorry. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. That was for Hanks, by the way. Um, oh, but, I was I was thinking Kenny Bell, who is still one of my favorite Twitter accounts to follow. No, we we Kenny Bell is still in the forefront of our minds and always will be. Uh, you know, yes. remember when Clemson had DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins? This has that kind of potential. I'm not saying either of them are are top five draft picks, but I also am saying yes, they very well could be. Uh, see, I'm a little bit higher on that than you are. Um, I know DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins were good. Those were two guys. We've got what I think is four guys here that could really leave people in the dust, especially those two. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, uh, I'm, that's what I'm Jerry, saying. I'm saying Watkins. Jerry Judy is the next guy from Miami like Amari Cooper like Calvin Ridley to come in and come through the Alabama wide receiver system and excel well, I think he is your number one receiver then. next year I think he is your guy here's here's uh, something more fun which of these three you think leaves Alabama with the best career Jerry Judy boom I would agree JJ four I, I he's he's got to uh, I think he's got the speed he's got the route running his <laughs> Highlight plays are ridiculous. He absolutely laid the wood last year 
uh, on one of Najee Harris's runs late in the game, uh, lest you forget, because I will always remember that play. Uh, Don't forget, though, Devontae Smith, the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown pass in the national championship and the Mississippi State game, is right behind him, nipping on the heels, and is quick, if you couldn't tell by the way uh, he ran down the field during second and 26. Behind him, you've got Henry Ruggs III, who caught a touchdown pass in the national championship game. You've got three guys who have national championship experience that are true sophomores. And then you got a bunch of dudes behind them. Shavers. That will come in. Uh, I love Tyrell Shavers. Townsend. Keith. Who am I forgetting? Uh, Marks. Jalen Waddle's the one that people are talking about in camp. True freshman. He could be, you know, how we just had three true freshmen show out. Jalen Waddle's the one that people are going, man, he's good. He could be the one returning kicks and punts and coming in as that fourth receiver in four wide sets. Shavers is all of 6'4", all of can jump out of the gym, and it's been a while since Alabama's had a really, uh, probably since Julio that I can think of, because Cam Sims never really turned into Julio's the last really tall guy you can think of. Well, Cam Sims never turned into that red zone threat. We haven't had just the dude like, hey, just go lob it to him since Julio. Like, I mean, like, obviously Amari Cooper did it very well, but people don't go, oh, Amari Cooper's a red zone threat. Even Julio was more... Those two are too well-rounded at this point. Shavers is a true red zone threat. He's the guy that you're throwing into the corner of the end zone, and I'm excited to see him. Xavier Marks, he might crack the field. I like him on special teams as well. I don't know. He's Xavier the, Marks had a great spring game, don't forget. Yeah, he's been in the system for a while. I'm not going to discount him. He's been putting in his time like nobody else. Uh, Derek Keefe has caught passes from two in garbage time, and they have a... You know, they have a a, a a bond now, so I think Derek Keefe could come in. You know, the guys that uh, the, the tours are Don't forget, if Tua Tungavaloa is your quarterback, you're going to see a lot more five wide sets, I think, than you would normally. So all these guys could come into play at the same time. Of that second tier, Shavers, Marks, Waddle, Townsend, Keefe, and whoever else, but those are the main ones. Of that tier, the second tier, which of those do you think makes the most impact this season? This season, I'm going Xavier Marks. Overall, I think you're right. I think Waddle is a guy that you got to look at. Uh, A lot of people have been really impressed with him. I'm not saying because I've seen any tape or anything like that. But for this season, with the things that I have seen, uh, I'm going to go Xavier Marks. He seems like he's got it the most together. He's been in the system the longest, I believe. Am I right on that? Um, Yes, of this group. Probably him and Keefe. He and Keefe. Yeah, those are the two names that stick out for me. I I think Xavier Marks is going to be that guy. Now... Ask me next year, that answer is probably going to change. But as of those second-tier guys behind Judy Smith and Ruggs, uh, I think Marks is your guy. I think it's Waddle. I, I I don't know. He was our top. It's We always have the top receiver play a lot. The number one receiver we sign in a class always plays a ton and always plays a ton early. Um, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Waddle. Uh, all right. Wide receivers are pretty cut and dry. Um, tight end, your favorite position, tight end, uh, especially at Alabama. <laughs> Um, obviously that is, you know, we are a team that always utilizes our tight ends. Just mm. kidding. We are not, we are not Notre Dame. Um, you know, but we do have I, some I good think ones. of the great names in Alabama football history, Stabler, Namath, uh, Newsom, Brad Smelly, uh, Brad Smelly, Michael, uh, Johnson, or Johnson Williams, uh, you know. Uh, Colin Peak, Colin Preston Peak. Dial. 
Oh, uh, Michael Williams just got a head coaching gig, like high school head coaching gig recently. Uh, yes. Oh, gosh. Where is he going? I've got to look that up. you got to talk about the tight ends while I look that up. All right. You look that up. Um, okay, so tight ends. Hale Hentgist should be the starter. He was the one. He's a good blocker. Uh, use him to catch passes every now and again. Again, we don't use our tight ends very heavily in the passing game, and I think people know that. It might change under Loxley. I doubt it will. Uh, and then Irv Smith is the kind of up-and-comer currently that should also be the second tight end on the team. I think Irv Smith makes a big impact. You got Miller Forstall. Haven't seen a ton from him uh, in his career, but I know he's got a lot of talent. And then Kedrick James, like we said at the top of this podcast, caught two touchdowns from Tua, so maybe they've got kind of something going there. Uh, some other reserves, you've got the Major Tennyson. He got hurt last year. He was a freshman. Those are our tight ends. You know, flip a coin as to the be the one that we're gonna. It's like when the tight ends score. It's like we use them as a decoy, and that's why they scored. We don't use them because you know, hey, unless sometimes it was OJ Howard, but usually it's like, hey, we're rolling out. Hey, you don't expect Hale Hentges to go catch the ball. Oh wait, he's in the end zone. Even Jalen can complete that pass. Oof. It's true though. Man. When has a tight end scored a touchdown at Alabama, not named O.J. Look, Howard, hey, that wasn't look, wide open? You were, you're 100% right. You're, you're 100% right, but, man, I was, I was not expecting that. <laughs> Even not expecting that. Anyway, but no, okay. When's the last Pickens time? Pickens County. Pickens County, yeah. Oh, I know where that is. Um, when's the last time a tight end at Alabama scored a touchdown that wasn't just butt-ass wide open? I mean, even O.J. Howard's famous ones in the championship games were all wide open. Uh, can't pass where they weren't wide open. You I'd can't say think of one. The one that sticks out in my head, I mean, we've had to have more than this, but the one that sticks out in my head would be probably the 2009 season. Okay, yeah, exactly. That's, that is literally nine years ago at this point. Uh, yeah, no, so, that's what I'm saying. I, I, there, I don't have anything to say about the, this position group because, look, they play with a lot of heart, and I love that, and they're great blockers. But there's, there's never been a situation where I'm like, oh, thank God we've got Hale Hinches. Put some respect on Hale's name, baby. All right, let's go to the offensive line. Okay, we all know we've got Jonah Williams. He's started every single game in an Alabama uniform. He is an Alabama legend already in my mind, and he will be gone after this year as a first-round draft pick. I have no doubt in my mind. Ross Piercebacher, another guy at center. Centers don't usually get drafted in the first round, but if there is one that that's going to happen to, I think Ross Piercebacher is one of, if not the best, centers in the league. Alabama's offensive line, in my opinion, has a chance to rival this year, the 2012 offensive line. We got a lot coming back, a lot of experience coming back. From left to right, we're looking at Jonah Williams, Lester Cotton, Ross Piercebacher, Jedrick Willis, and then we got a little bit of a battle at right tackle. Patrick Norwood, who do you think our right tackle will be? Uh, that uh, That's a great question. I, I Honestly, though, I kind of want to wait and see what happens with the rest of our line? I'm not sure that positions are really locked in yet. They're not. That's a that's mostly a projection. I know that it's going to be Williams, Cotton, Pierce, Bacher, those three in their spots. Willis will 
I think Willis kind of holds it down. He's, you know, played there. Um, and then it's between, I think, Matt Womack. I said Warmack last week cause, because we only hire Womack or recruit Womacks and Warmacks. Womack and Alex Leatherwood being the one that came in during the title game after uh, uh, Williams went down and played From what I well. saw in the spring game, I'll, I'm going to go Leatherwood, but I, I just – there's too many moving parts right now on that line. Uh, too many. There's two moving parts. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me to lock in and say, oh, that's going to be the guy. You know, I, I think I'd feel more comfortable with Leatherwood playing right guard rather than right tackle. Uh just because I think that's somewhere where he's more comfortable. But that being said, I, I wouldn't have a problem at all if he played right tackle. Uh, See, I think or, Leatherwood is our less left tackle next year. I think it's – hey, Williams is there now. And I think Leatherwood is the next great offensive lineman, in my opinion. And the, in the, one, the next great one, the next – you know, uh, uh, we've, we keep having these guys go first round. Um, I think Leatherwood's – the next one, he was, you know, I think he was like the third ranked player whenever he came out of his uh, two years ago. No, last year. So he's right behind whatever, wherever Najee Harris was. I think Leatherwood's awesome. I love to see him start there, but it could be Womack still. He played great in the national championship when he came in, though. Plus, he's from for sure. right down the street from where I currently reside. Uh, he lives in, Pens- uh, he was from Pensacola. On a lot of. And I mean a lot. Uh, the one that I saw was Matt Miller had him going first in the 2018, or I guess 19 NFL draft. You talking about Jonah Williams? Jonah Williams. Yes. <laughs> and that shocked. would be a hell of a trivia question, right? Because Who that would be Alabama's, Alabama's first, first ever, ever <laughs> number one overall pick. And if it's Jonah Williams, I bet uh, about 90 to 95 percent of people would get that question wrong. The first Alabama player ever drafted at number one in the NFL draft was Trey DePriest. <laughs> now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. I love that button. Trey DePriest did not go number one overall. No, he did not. <laughs> Just, Trey, I feel like we need to say that so people don't think we're poor, idiots. Poor Trey DePriest came in, played pretty admirably, but he was like... The guy that just had to be between, I think it was um, Hightower and Mosley. Yes. He just kind of, he was good, but then Mosley was like, oh, okay, Mosley's a great player. Sorry, Trey DePriest. Have a great life. <laughs> All right, we're Tried getting, your best. I'm getting I'm getting us off topic there. Well, so offensive he was, line. He's between Ruben Foster. He's what? between Mosley and Foster. Okay, Mosley and Foster. Yeah, which still doesn't Wait, make it any then better. Then that would make it Mosley and Ragland. Don't. We can't forget about Reggie here. Oh, Reggie Raglan. My word. Remember how good he... We forget it. He's always... He's the one that's forgotten in that list, too. He's he's the Damian Harris of linebackers. Can we just talk about how stupid it is that we just forgot, like, two or three... That would be once-in-a-lifetime players at other schools, and we just forgot them. <laughs> but Reggie Raglan, he is the Damian Harris of linebackers. I am telling you, we love talking about Hightower and Rolando McClain, and oh, Reuben Foster was a missile. There will never be another Rolando McClain. And, and, and C.J. Mosley was just such a heads-up player. He was great, and they all went first round, and they're amazing. And then Reggie Ragland was so good. <laughs> Uh, but he's like Damian Harris. It's like, oh, he's not sexy enough. I, I God, I hate it when you say that. He was only four stars coming out of high school, not five. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. 
All right, let's move on. Uh, defensive lineman. Uh, this is this is the position I'm most excited about for next season. I think these Yeet. guys are going to get a whole lot of sacks. It seems like a unit that's really, really close together. They've all played together before. You've got Raekwon Davis, Isaiah Bugs. Those two guys are going to lead an absolute terror for opposing quarterbacks and opposing offensive lines. Brick, who are some other guys that you can see on that defensive line uh, this coming fall? Uh, well, no um, Duran Payne. Unfortunately, that's going to be a big loss, especially initially. He was so good for three years at Alabama. Um, this is the first year in a while that we haven't entered the year with that big, bona fide defensive tackle, you know, Ashawn Robinson or, or, or Deron Payne, or one of those. It's been a while since we haven't had that dude. I think it will be Quinnen Williams there, and he's good. He's very good because every defensive lineman at Alabama should be good to very good, if not great. Um, I don't know too much about him. Um, I, I like LeBrian Ray and what I saw. He's a sophomore now, but I like what I saw from him. And I think he'll come in and rotate at that defensive end position uh, behind Davis and Bugs. And then a name that I haven't talked about a lot that I'm really excited for because he's just an absolute thick boy, Fidarian Mathist. And that name. That name's big. Just Oh my goodness, Fidarian, Fidarian Mathis. Mathis. Yeah, mm. that—that's a name where you get some peanut butter in the roof of your mouth. <laughs> Fidarian, Fidarian. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's got, like I said, I'm I'm really excited for this group you, of guys this year. You know when a defensive tackle makes the sack on the quarterback when he just kind of grabs him and throws him with one arm. One hundred percent of the time, that guy's name is Fidarian Mathis. Uh, 100% of Rancors in Star Wars are named Fidarian Mathis. Rancor. He is a, that is a Rancor name, if I've ever heard one. Yes. That is Fidarian Mathis. No, I think uh, Isaiah Bugs is going to have a huge season, as is Raekwon Davis. Uh, people forget Raekwon Davis got shot around this time last year. He did. Uh, in case you forgot, got shot and then had two sacks. Um, uh, then in the National Championship game, caught a ball that was thrown off of his teammate's helmet. What a th- okay. I'm sorry. I can't. You can't watch that game and go. I still can't. We uh, Tua makes the dumbest throw you've ever seen, and the ne- the next play was a doink off of a helmet. It's ball don't just, lie. Ball, ball don't lie. Okay. I, one thing I want to say about Isaiah Bugs. I caught some of. I'm planning on watching the rest today, but I caught a glimpse of on my TV at work. Uh, training days at Alabama, part, part right. two. I watched part one, which was fun. If you haven't watched it, you should. Part it's two, good. the part I caught was Isaiah Bugs being a straight leader, getting on. Or maybe I saw it on Twitter. I can't remember if I saw it on there or on Twitter. I Isaiah saw it on Bugs, Twitter. I know what you're talking about. I saw it on Twitter. Getting on to the team for talking over Nick Saban. My man. It's good. It's good. I, I think if you go back and you watch all the interviews in seasons where Alabama has not won a national championship, uh, Nick Saban's big thing is there was no leadership. We didn't have guys step up and become leaders until it was too late. It's nice to see some clips, and maybe this is an isolated incident. This is rare for Isaiah Bugs, but watching that clip, that's not something that – that's not the vibe I got. Uh, I think Isaiah Bucks is a is a force to be reckoned with, uh, not just on the field, but also in the locker room among his teammates too. Yep. Uh, he's he's a loud guy. He's a big guy. Uh, seems 
very, very energetic, very loud, uh, and was really giving it to his teammates for talking over Saban today. Or, excuse me, in that clip that we saw. I saw it today. I don't know when you saw it. Anyway, if we got him, we'll get to the linebackers, but Mac Wilson's the other vocal leader. If we got those names, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Okay, outside linebacker. This is probably our thinnest group as far as who we have. We've already lost two this offseason. One went to go play baseball. Keith Holcomb, we talked about him a little bit in another podcast. And then, of course, we've talked about Terrell Lewis's injury. So we're two down before the season starts. Outside linebacker, Anthony Jennings, Christian Miller. People forget how good Anthony Jennings is, by the way. You know that? Yeah. He was so... Yeah. He got hurt in the um, in the Clemson game. In the Clemson game. He couldn't play the National Championship My game. God, he was killing Clemson. He oh. was flying all over the field. He, I was, mean, he was killing great. Clemson. He, yes. Kelly Bryant has nightmares about Anthony Jennings. It's a shame he got hurt in that game. He's the one I'm most interested to see return. Like, of course, I want to see Mac Wilson and I want to see Dylan Moses. But if we're not talking those names, the guy I'm going to watch a lot is Anthony Jennings. I think he's the unheralded dude on this team. Uh, I, I love An- Anthony Jennings. I'm really excited to see Christian Miller personally. Um, I think that's a guy that was hurt for a majority of the season last season that we didn't really get to see play at his full potential. And I think he's looking to make up for that this year. Uh, another guy that I'm interested in seeing, uh, you've got it right here is Jamie Mosley. Uh, a, a guy that's, you know, it seems like he's been in Alabama forever as well. Um, and wants to leave on the right foot. Uh, Christopher Allen could come in and make an impact as well. Uh, a young guy, Ben Davis, a guy that you and I were ecstatic that it committed to Alabama. I remember the day he committed, we texted each other. I was pumped. Um, I, I would love to see Ben Davis come in and make an impact this year. He was moved uh, so, to outside linebacker, by the way. He's been an inside linebacker. He's Yes, he's, he's been converted with the loss of Terrell Lewis. Yes. Who, God, it hurts me. So can you imagine that unit if we had Jennings leave the field, Miller comes in, Lewis leaves the field, and then Mosley, Allen, or Davis come in. Hey, don't forget our favorite player of this year's uh, recruiting class, Iyabi Anoma. Iyabi Anoma. I'm not sure he makes as much of an impact this year. I think he is a regular rotation. I don't. I'm not saying he starts. I think he is a late in games when other people are worn down. He is coming. He's he's going to get some big second half sacks this year. He will rotate in fresh legs. The dude is. I've been I've been kind of I've been kind of stalking him lately as far as YouTube and watching his high school stuff and looking for his numbers from every bit of practice video I see. I love this guy, man. I think yeah, he's the next he, great he's one. Good. Hit me with that name again. Iyabi Anoma. Iyabi Anoma. I love it. I think I he's it. the next great one. I mean, the next great defensive lineman in Alabama. I hope so. Or off, not defensive lineman, outside, outside linebacker. linebacker. Yeah. I know what you mean. Well, it could be that Courtney Upshaw type as well. Oh, man, talk dirty to me. There you go. Uh, middle linebackers, uh, Mac Wilson. Woo! Get on it. Get on it. I cannot wait to see Maserati back back out on the field. Oh, um, man. He, he's a guy that was just a beast last year late in the season and early in the season. Uh, he had a great game against Clemson, had that interception against Clemson. 
uh, that I think was returned for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he uh, inter- he intercepted uh, Kelly Bryant, scored a touchdown on that. I remember he had, he had an interception against Florida State. Yes. Um, he's great in coverage, and he's great in run support. He is the... He's the next one, right? We've been kind of waiting. Ooh, what are we going to – middle linebacker, huh? He, he, he grew about, a lot last year, and he's the next name. He, we, we just, he's going to be inserted into the list of all the linebackers and Reggie Ragland. Yes, yes, <laughs> like Dylan Lee. <laughs> oh, man, you're making me do this too much. Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> oh, man. All right, uh, so we've talked about the front seven. We're not really worried too much about the front seven. A little worried about that outside linebacker position. Hey, we have not even said the name Dylan Moses. Dylan, have we not? No, you said Maserati Mac, but next to him, the other starter is Dylan Moses. Who? I'm so sorry. I thought, well, it is two in the morning, so please give me a break. Uh, but no, you're right. Uh, Dylan Moses is going to be a huge com- contributor on the defensive side of the ball this year. Another guy who played well in the spring game this year. Oh yeah. I mean, Dylan Moses, we, Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson. When have we had two middle linebackers at the same time like that? I mean, I know Ragland and, and, um, Ragland and Reuben Foster played together at the same time, but Foster hadn't come into his own yet. Um, no, Foster Foster was still too young and dumb and tackled with the crown of his helmet High, too much. Hightower didn't really play with McLean because Hightower tore his knee. Um, yeah. I don't know how much Mosley and Hightower played. So these two dudes at the same time is a big deal. And we talked about him last podcast. If you missed the last podcast, Alabama also recently got kind of a early Christmas present, late birthday present. Um and Ale Kaho, who was a five-star linebacker, four-star depending on the site, that was going to Washington, uh, such and such and such. Nick Saban said it was an academic issue. And now he's in Alabama wearing number 10 at practice about to put his pads on. I think he plays I, I a little don't, bit. I don't want to talk too much about Ale Kaho just because I'm worried he's not going to play this season. All right, fine. Let's go to the cornerbacks then. This, like I was about to say, sorry for skipping Dylan Moses. I think Dylan Moses has a good opportunity to be the breakout star. Uh, like you do with our boy, uh, where is he? Who are you looking for? Iabi Anoma. Yes. I think Dylan Moses could be that guy. I love it. I think more than Anoma. Well, Moses came on when we got, when we had all the he played some like he he would hit the field late in some games last year but once the linebackers started going down he came in whatever cupcake we played right before auburn um he led the team and he had like 17 tackles in that game and then he was our probably our best linebacker in the iron bowl and uh yeah and then he came on just super strong and we i mean because dylan moses was again another number one player five-star, top-ten player in the country. People have been talking about Dylan Moses since eighth grade when he committed to LSU. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that burns. I hope that stings, LSU fans, that, if you're listening. That's going to sting. Uh, speaking of LSU and players that should have, could have, would have played there a lot, um, let's go to the corners. We've got all of our secondary to replace this season. That's the big storyline. I want to spend a good amount of time on the corners and safeties because Minka's gone. 
Averett's gone. Wallace is gone. Hootie Jones is gone. We have four spots, actually five spots, to really figure out on this defensive backfield. Nick Saban's staple. A corner. I'm going to name the names, and you're going to give me the three that at this point you think start at each one. Trayvon Diggs, Savion Smith, Cuff, LSU, um, Shaheem Carter, Patrick Sertain Jr., Josh Job, and Jalen Armour Davis. The last two are true. The last three of those, Sertain, Job, and Armour Davis, are true freshmen. Uh, well, I think Diggs and Smith are the two. I think they're in their own sort of class right now. Diggs, because he's been there enough, and Savion Smith's just good. He's just flat out good. From a background accounts, on Smith, he was a five star at LSU that transferred out after Les Miles left. Um, and when I, I think he went the Juco route, and then he's he now at Alabama. He was the top rated Juco player in the country, and he committed to Alabama. He's part of the incoming recruiting class, even though he is a junior, I believe. Or redshirt sophomore. Flat fly. I mean, he is just a guy that can fly all around the field. Saban has spoke nothing but uh, just absolute praise for him. Uh, so I think those are your two guys that are absolute locks. Uh, that's where it starts to sort of shift. Right now I'm tempted to go uh, certain after that. Uh, it's a name that's been mentioned a lot from practices. It was also mentioned a lot after the scrimmage this past Saturday uh, as a guy who really stepped up uh and in coverage especially in the diamond nickel packages uh so those are those are my three uh i'll let i'll defer to you for uh for the others okay okay so you said you had Diggs and smith as the starters you and then you have certain being that that nickel that star yes okay um i don't think i don't think you're wrong doing that i'm hesitant with Diggs, and that will probably end up being to a fault. Uh, we talked about it before we started recording. Diggs started the FSU game last year. He was our starter at corner. We've never fully trusted him for a whole season, so I'm having trouble doing that as we well. We didn't trust Eddie Jackson or Cyrus Jones. Exactly, and that's exactly what we said. Maybe this is the year he figures it out and he holds that down. I would love to see that because I love him and I love his brother, Stefan Diggs, uh, for the Vikings. So, I okay, I will... Yes, I will predict this is the year he figures it out, holds it down, because if not, it's going to be Smith and Sertain in my mind with Shaheem Carter as the nickel. Um, And then Diggs will just kind of be, you know, he came in as a wide receiver, same way Cyrus Jones did. Um, Mm. But I'll go go exactly what you said, and I hate that for Shaheem Carter because I think he's great, but he'll be in the rotation where Job and Armour Davis kind of come in later in the season. We might be able to get them in just four games. And uh, don't forget Nigel Knott is another guy that's been on this team for a while. He just can't stop being injured. I hate the way that's gone for him. But uh, Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely been injury prone this season. Here's the thing. Teams are, I think, a couple teams. Okay, I'm looking at our. Sorry, last season. Not last this season. season. I think early in the year, there will be some teams that can kind of pass on us. I think you and I are going to get annoyed at how many passes are being completed on us. Louisville, as we all know, with Petrino at coach, they'll be able to throw the ball. They just they're can. looking to gun. Petrino is one of the top five best offensive minds in college football, so um, they'll be able to throw on us. That is my one kind of fear in that game. If I have one, is that 
with all these new corners in, will be relying on at least one true freshman, if not more, and then a guy who just entered the program, uh, and then two new safeties. Teams will be able to throw on us for a while. But remember back in 2014, we were in the same boat, and they eventually figured it out. Yes. I, I don't think it'll get as bad as 2013 with Dion Blue. There was a Fulton as well. Wasn't there a Fulton that was even worse? Judah Judah Fulton. God. You want to go ahead and hit me with the Obi-Wan again? Yeah, I'm looking for it. Now, that's a name I've not heard in, in a long, long time. Long yeah, time. Judah Fulton, definitely. Wolf. Uh, Nick Perry was in that backfield as well. Ooh, Nick Perry. Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Oh, man. All right, let's move on to our safeties. Uh, we got Deontay Thompson and Xavier McKinney. Xavier McKinney is a guy who I think is is, is going to be really, really strong uh, this season. Uh, tell me a little bit about Thompson. Oh, I, I'm glad you said that about McKinney because Thompson, I think he's going to be really strong. Thompson, is uh, he came in late in the season after Hootie went down. Hootie went yep. down late in the season, and Thompson came in and, in my humble opinion, was – a good bit better. Thompson was great in the title game, great late in the season. I think Thompson could be... No, we don't talk enough about how Alabama is, is potentially safety you. We got man, we got some safeties in our, yeah. in our dynasty right now. Thompson, Absolutely. I think, could be that good. I don't think he's Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't think he's explosive as Eddie Jackson. But I think he can be as solid, just straight defensively, as Eddie Jackson was. I think he can come up with picks. I don't think every time he touches the ball, it's going to be a touchdown. But he's good. No. Deontay Thompson uh, is a yeah. – I'm I mean, so excited I, I to see him. I don't think he's at the ha-ha Clinton Dix or Landon Collins level. No, but I think he's on his way. But I think he's the tier below that with that Eddie Jackson level. You I really supr- do. I'm very surprised you put just Eddie Jackson at the tier below. Why? I thought I just – knew you better than that. I actually think Eddie Jackson at Alabama was better than Landon Collins. Oh, easy. No, I really... Remember how often Landon would get beat? Now, Landon Collins might be the best safety in professional football right now. He's up there. He's... I I think... I think you're misremembering Landon Collins a little bit. I think you're misremembering how many times Landon Collins came up and stuffed the run or absolutely laid the wood on somebody. No, he was always great against the run. I just remember, you know, he, he he didn't have a great game against that first Ole Miss game we lost. Um, and I know I remember what was the receiver at Auburn at the time? Remember the shoot, the fifty five forty four Iron Bowl. Sammy Coates. Sam, yeah, Sammy Coates kind of put the work on him a little bit in that game. I don't know. I was yeah. just surprised. I'm not saying Landon Collins was bad by any stretch. Don't get me wrong. Landon Collins was awesome. But I, I don't I, think Eddie Jackson was better. I man, okay. Well, you know what? This yes. is a fight. I've been we wanting to play that. Are one. fighting? <laughs> we're I don't I, look. I I'll I'll die on this hill. I don't care. I see, but I thought Eddie Jackson was your hill to die on. I love Eddie Jackson more as a personality, but just fundamentals, just pure football. Landon Collins, one hundred percent of the time, all the time. I mean, I'll take him in run support, but if I'm needing a guy to go out there and get an interception, give me give me Eddie Jackson and pass protection. You know what we'll do? We'll put out a poll tomorrow on Twitter. You guys can all go vote, and you can let us know what you think. I, I'm going Landon Collins. Brick is going Eddie Jackson. We're going to say better safety while at the University of Alabama. Yeah, but people are going to think about the NFL and the fact that Eddie Jackson got hurt. 
But we can I do that. We can disregard do that. the NFL. I'm I'm taking I'm taking Eddie Jackson. Uh, anyway, those are two players that aren't at Alabama anymore, and we're supposed to be doing an Alabama this right. year preview, and we keep getting sidetracked because that's what we do. Safety right. corners all going to be a work in progress for the first month of the season at least. Special teams, your favorite conversation to have. Curl me into the sun. <laughs> We've got two kickers this year, man. We got two. We have a little bit of a kicker battle at Alabama right now. Joseph Belovis, who uh, I think is a redshirt freshman. He, we... uh, I'll make a motion to call him Belovia Long Time. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a below average uh, joke. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to if, hey if he's hitting him he's below you long time <laughs> if he's missing if he's, he's missing him it's below average. average um <laughs> okay i like that already i hope he wins just for that little game uh but for whatever reason we also took a grad transfer from temple named austin sure. jones who because it can't get any worse that's why we did it the thing is these small schools have better kickers stop they do stop. they stop. do Stop. No, I'm saying there's the small schools kickers have been better than the ones that we've actually recruited that have stars you know, attached to their you name. You know what we need on the soundboard? We need the clip. Did you ever see Meatballs? Meatballs? The the movie uh, with, uh, oh gosh, who's in it? Bill Murray. No, he's, but I wish I had. He's a camp counselor, and they, they do this big chant at the end where he just keeps chanting, it just doesn't matter. And that's exactly how I feel about Alabama special teams. Oh, but it needs to matter. We have a special teams coordinator now. If if we can't get it figured out while we have a special teams coordinator, Alabama fans, I don't know what to tell you, right? All Alabama right, so, has proven that college kickers are worthless in college football. With Joseph Belovis, again. Beloved you long time. Beloved you long time. He was, when he came out, a quote-unquote recruited kicker because most kickers aren't recruited with stars in their name and you know like louisiana monroe is not getting a kicker with stars but below us beloved you long time beloved average oh man i can't wait for that was a three star which is as high as kickers tend to get and he was like the third fourth fifth in the country so that yeah. should tell you he's yeah. good but, but griffith uh, adam griffith, griffith was, was the number one too. here's what's gonna happen Beloved you long time is going to turn into beloved average. Austin Jones is going to make us scratch our head and go, I don't see us. This, I don't feel like this is the year we figure out kicker. I don't know why. And we already have the number one kicker and punter who I have a big crush on right now. I've, I've, not a crush, but I can't. Will Reichard. I think he's, he might be Hoover. I don't know. He's the number one in the country. He's committed to Alabama. He thinks he's going to come solve everything. I've always wanted Alabama to have. That kicker-punter combo. Oh, man, I love those guys in, the co- in college. Okay, but he's not on Alabama. This is a 2018 preview, Patrick. Shut the heck up, man. All right. I want Belovis to win for the jokes. I, I don't care. For the jokes. Because Belovis, for all intents and purposes, should at least be around what Griffith was. And Austin Jones, I look at and go, this is another Papanastos. Ugh. Hey, do you remember that time he? Although Austin like Jones was actually left good the bar? at Temple, I will get. He had did actually have good numbers at Temple. Ye- okay. Hey, Temple kicks the same distance field goals as everyone else. Stop! 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 It's the only stop. school. Stop! 
Doesn't right. matter. It's the only position where it really the school doesn't matter. Does Their not job matter. Is always the same. Hey, it's not, someday you're going to have to start caring about special teams. And it's not today. Let's we have a new punter. The schedule, shall we? We have a new punter named after your dog. Uh, spelled differently, but yes, I noticed that too. I can't wait for him to shank twenty yarders out of bounds. No, no, this is the next uh, mega Megatron, Mega Leg, Legatron. What do Legatron, you mean, Mega Leg? <laughs> mega Leg. Can we just Mega Leg? too late at night for us to be doing this we still podcast. got a lot left on this podcast people this is a long one all right fine we'll get out of special teams the other thing we wanted to do was talk about our schedule quote unquote i'll read it down from week one to the end of the year we're going to give our thought actually all right louisville in orlando versus louisville at home against arkansas state at ole miss at home against a&m at home against Louisiana. Do not call them Louisiana Lafayette anymore, guys. They're nope, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. After them, we're at Arkansas, home against Mizzou, at Tennessee, at LSU, home, 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 Mississippi State, Citadel, Auburn. This, I'll give my thoughts. This is the most tailor-made schedule Alabama's had. We've had years with easier schedules, and we've had years with killer schedules. I've never seen... Alabama get a break on a schedule that we've gotten with just our road games. We have four true road games and they're at Ole Miss at Arkansas at Tennessee. And the only real true road test is at LSU. We get Auburn at home. We get A&M at home, uh, Missouri, Mississippi state, Mississippi state at home. The four probably hardest games that aren't named LSU are all at home. And then Louisville is at a location that Alabama should not dominate, but it should be about 60-40, you know, against a team that's losing a Heisman. Uh, that's that's very generous towards Louisville. I've, I've heard Louisville travels well, but I could be wrong. Um, anyway, it, that, that neither here nor there. So that's my thoughts on it. Are we about the same page there? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think you've got a few trap games. Uh, there was the uh, SB Nation released the... Uh, S&P rankings today, the probability rankings. I don't know if you if you follow those, if you've read those before. They're pretty interesting to take a look at. Um, and uh, out of all the games, the win probabilities go as follows. Louisville is an 85%. Arkansas State, 95%. At Ole Miss, 78%. Still pretty high. Texas A&M, 86%. University of Louisiana, 99%. At Arkansas, 88. Missouri at home, 88. Tennessee at Tennessee is 93%. My goodness. Here's where you get into trouble with this schedule. At LSU is 73%. That's still almost three-fourths probability that Alabama is going to win the game. After that, you've got 79%. For Mississippi State, the highest of the season is the Citadel Nose Price. They are 100%. And then Auburn's at 66. I, I don't think Auburn's going to be as good as everyone else does. We talked about that in last week's podcast, the SEC West Preview, if that's what you're looking for and you've gotten all the way into this podcast. I'm so sorry. You're but very, you're very confused. Episode. Man, they're spending a lot of time on Bama. What are they going to get to the other teams? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a four-hour episode. This is going to be my uh, goodness. <laughs> 
but I, I think I think Alabama. Listen, Alabama has not gone undefeated since 2009, Saban's first championship at the Capstone. Uh, I I don't see them going undefeated this season, and I think that loss is going to come in the weeks of LSU and Mississippi State and Auburn. Uh, I, I I don't think they're losing all three of those. Let me take that back. I think one of those three Alabama will drop and still make it into the playoffs. Huh. Okay. I don't see us, unless we get an injury at quarterback or our defense is decimated like it was going into the Iron Bowl next year, which it might be. Um, I, I just don't see a game on this schedule. And I sound like a homer. But there's a reason that people are ragging on Alabama's schedule this year. The, you know what? Three years ago, the schedule would have looked really you know, tough. But it's just not this year. You mean when they made the schedule? Yes, they make these schedules. In, like Going into last year, when we were playing, uh, going into the year, people were like, Alabama's got a lot of really tough games. And then FSU just wasn't that good, and people forgot about it. But um, And then they ain't played nobody, Paul. You mean like two years ago when Alabama played USC and it was the same thing? The same thing. But this one, I just don't see. I see games that are potentially dangerous, but I'm pretty low on LSU this year. And I think our toughest game that's not the Iron Bowl is... I mean, I think the Iron Bowl is our toughest game. But if we're not rolling by then, we'll know. You know, I don't think we struggle that much against LSU. And honestly, we play well at LSU every time we've been there, except... 2010. I mean, 2012 was a little tough, but LSU was really stinking good that year too. Yeah, um, they and had they Mettenberger, had the two receivers, and a great quarterback, Jerry Lee. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they had Mettenberger by then. I can't remember. Was um, it, Mem- it may have been Mettenberger. But and they had a great defense and Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and 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 uh, the running back Jeremy Hill. They had a great team, and they took us down to the wire. But LSU's gone farther down. Alabama stayed consistent, if not better. I just don't like Missouri. Maybe if if there's a trap game that you look at this and you go, all right, Alabama might snooze through this one, and it's also a team that could potentially challenge them with something. It's maybe Missouri because we'll, we're going to have a new second. We're still going to have a young secondary, and it's just kind of in the lull of our season. I'm going to go. I'm That's gonna go my trap State game for that sleeper game. Which one? Mississippi State. Well, yeah, we do tend to sleep because we play LSU before them. Well, LSU is always the week before, and that's always the worst game that Alabama plays every year. We've got them at home, though. I guess we. I mean, we can be beaten at home. Alabama's not um, unbeatable at home. There's beat. There, you know, Alabama's as unbeatable as teams come, but teams can beat Alabama at home. Johnny Manziel and uh, Chad Kelly. Nick, yeah, Mississippi State is a potential letdown. Missouri is a semi potential letdown but i just see us navigating this regular season schedule you know like you know like a couple years not ago. easily but yeah i mean we'll have our moments but you know two years ago which was the other time alabama's gone undefeated in the regular season um we navigated that schedule besides Ole Miss pretty easily. We pretty much killed everybody. Auburn was by maybe two, three touchdowns. Everybody else, Alabama crushed. And I think we're going to crush almost all these teams. Yeah. I could see us not crushing Mississippi State. 
I could see it's beating LSU by a respectable, modest, if you want to call it that, like 24. And I know I sound like a homer, but no, it's, it's, I'm not, and I'm not trying to say Alabama's season doesn't start until the SEC championship game. I'm not even trying to say that either, because that's just, you know, that's ridiculous. But what I'm saying is that this is the easiest schedule I think Nick Saban has had. Yes, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that, and I, I think at least you want to have everything figured out by Missouri. If Alabama can have everything figured out and all cylinders are firing, everything's clicking, even with sustaining some injuries, which you know is going to happen because it is football, uh, if you have everything clicking and figured out, for the most part by Missouri, you should be able to sit tight and play not even your A-plus game and still win until you get to the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and we don't even have that gauntlet that we usually do. Remember, like, a couple years ago, people were high on Tennessee, and, and Mississippi State was, you know, still having some, you know, they still had Deck Prescott. They still had Prescott. Prescott. And, yeah. you know, it was, Alabama's got to play, you know, and I don't remember who we had in the East uh, that year, but it, um, it wasn't Georgia yet. But it was like Alabama's, oh, it was A&M was farther down the schedule, so it's like Alabama's got to play Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, all within six weeks. And it's like, we don't even have that gauntlet part this year. It's like, you know, LSU's going to be a tough game, but we're, you know, we have the bye before them. That, that's, yeah. And the bye comes between Tennessee and LSU. Um, you know, Mississippi State, we're going in circles here. A&M could potentially, if, if Jimbo Fisher gets his team moving that quickly within one month. I, I don't But we don't expect that. We don't think this is his, you know, we don't think they break out this year. We think it's probably two or three years away from that. So there's our schedule. I don't see a loss. Um, I wouldn't expect many people do, but obviously this is college football. Anything can happen. I mean, we lost the Iron Bowl last year, and we didn't think Auburn was going to be any good after the way they played against Nick Clemson. Saban's most talented team to ever put out on the field lost two games, three, three games. games. South Carolina, LSU, and the stinking iron bowl and the iron bowl anyway uh you sound you sound bushed I, i'm i'm pretty beat i i will say this we've we've got a couple doozies for sound offs today do we i do i think I i've got i've got this. two topics i can give you one of my topics if you really want to run with it all right i know what one of yours is just go ahead and take it it's urania yeah for those of you who don't know I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. I work for the Durham Bulls, who are part of the Rays in Tampa organization, so I'm partial to them. But in my heart, with my family, I'm a Braves fan. Ronald Acuna Jr. hit three straight leadoff home runs against the Miami Marlins. Urania, I don't even know his first name. Is it Jose Urania? I think think it's Jose, yeah. Whoever it is for the Marlins decided his best bet first pitch of the night last night or I guess two nights ago now was to drill Acuna in the wrist as hard as he could his pitch was in the 99th percentile for the hardest balls he's thrown all season it's the fastest first first pitch he's ever had it was the first pitch of the game and then he tried to blow it off like oh I didn't mean to do it so Snaker comes barreling, Snaker's the Braves manager, 
I was barreling out of the dugout. He's yelling at Acuna. Acuna drops his glove and clenches his fist. And bench is clear. What are you doing? If you were really resulting to that, because you cannot get a guy out. I understand if Acuna showed... I don't even understand it. I would understand it more if Acuna had showed you up. If, if he had trod around the bases, if he flicked off your parents in the front row, whatever. I could understand it first pitch. But just because he's hit three home runs? Because he's good? You're going to be that petty about it? I saw it was a great tweet, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. Buster only t- tweeted, it would be like a guy has a no-hitter. And randomly one inning, a guy just walks up to him from the batter's box with a bat and breaks his arm. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. It's ridiculous. It's, it's the same thing, and it's it's just pitiful. It's oh. just pitiful. And if your argument uh, – sorry, this is the last thing I'll say. If your argument is, oh, I was just brushing him off the plate, go watch that pitch. If that's you brushing someone off the plate, I know you play for the Marlins, which is a real garbage organization in the first place. Uh, you're not supposed to be a professional baseball player at that point because you have horrid control over your fastball. Well, to be fair, Urania should not be a professional baseball player. The Miami Marlins are a garbage organization, and sadly, the one I've rooted for since I was nine. And I say that lightly. They're a hard team to root for. But, um, no, I agree. And I'll even take it a step further. Like, you said you could understand it if he was showboating you. I've never, I just, I don't understand the stupid, and I'm not even talking about Urania. Because, again, he didn't even do it. I don't understand these stupid, unwritten rules of baseball. Baseball is the only sport where you can't celebrate because you hit a home run three nights in a row to lead off the game. You can't. He, he deserves to throw his bat a little bit, have a little fun, clap, do a chest bump, right? I would in the NFL, you score a two-yard rushing touchdown, and you're allowed to get in a circle and play duck-duck-goose. In basketball, you hit a three-pointer, and Steph Curry is shimmying. And he's, they're, he's, they're throwing fist pumps. LeBron's beating his chest. But in baseball, you're supposed to jog around. And if you don't, we're going to throw a hard object 100 miles an hour and just hurl it at you at a speed where you can't even get out of the way. That's, that's, that's asinine. I've never understood it. And, and baseball has more than one unwritten rule. I definitely have not understood that one. But it's – and then, well, yeah, what Urania did was just, you know, just – gutless just it's it's it, it's it's the 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 kid on the 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 eight-year-old on the playground that's mad that he's losing so he you know decides to slug the other kid instead because he's bigger yeah uh the other the other thing that really frustrated me about last night was keith hernandez went on in defense of urania oh of course keith hernandez he did. is the mets broadcaster of course said, he did look i understand it how 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 do you even say that? Which it was the first my... pitch. It wasn't even like, oh, he no. was, you know, yeah. he, he, it was a 3-1 count. It was like the first pitch, and it nailed him square in the middle of his body. Didn't hit his it ankle. He didn't throw back. it at his butt. Yeah. Didn't hit him in the I mean, back. No. It, it was it was bad. It, it was really, really bad. And Keith Hernandez just proves I've got, uh, look. My least, my four least favorite teams in the country. Ready? Any sport, all sport, all levels. Tennessee, Auburn, Liberty University, the New York Mets. Keith Hernandez proved why I hate the New York Mets more than the Miami Marlins last night. Oh, Keith. Classic Keith. Um, 
I don't have a sound off. I think I, I think I fed off of yours pretty well. I'm I'm content today. Bryant Denny Stadium. Oh, that's right. That's right. We were we were going to talk about Bryant Denny Stadium. You dislike the Bryant Denny Stadium stuff more than I do, but I will I will sound off on it a little bit. I love the Coleman Coliseum stuff. I really don't mind that. That is fantastic. Coleman yeah, Coliseum is needed an upgrade. Um, Since my parents were in school, right? So I'm excited for that. Uh, Bryant Denny Stadium is. If you haven't seen, you need to go watch the video because my words can't give credence to what they're doing. But they're putting glass on the outside of Bryant Denny. They're getting rid of some of the seating to put a big jumbotron in. Uh, to I'll tell you why I think that is in a moment. They're adding some more, you know, super suites and expensive seats and moving the press box a little bit. They are modernizing the stadium, but. College football team. Here's where I get into my sound off on it. College football teams don't need to modernize stadiums, aside from a jumbotron. Read. If it was just the jumbotron, maybe I get it. Auburn has one, uh, and all these teams have but, one. And you're but trying. Why? To- my point is, why are we regressing? That's regression. Why are we trying to be like teams that are worse than us? It's it's not about you know. Of course, we're not we're not regressing. It's this has nothing to do with what happens is happening on the field. It's it's more of it, one, it's a pride thing, right? Oh, we got a big one too, and we got the four little ones now. Um, it's and it's also to, it is. I think it's. I do think it's a recruiting thing. I think uh, uh, some other programs are catching up to Alabama as far, especially Georgia, uh, Ohio State. You know, recruits at a level similar to Alabama, and it's a competitive thing, right? I think Alabama is, is not that. I'm not saying Georgia surpassed Alabama. But they have kind of woken up Nick Saban a little bit. I do think that Nick Saban, I'm not saying he was dormant and needed to be woken up, but I do think he's been woken up a little bit, right? When have we ever seen Nick Saban as much in the media as we have this year, right? Nick Saban's on the, 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 the training days. They're now at Alabama. He's on the cover of magazines. He's doing radio shows. They're trying to make Alabama visible, so this is a new flashy thing to show people. I think it will look, don't get me wrong, you may disagree with me, I do think it will look very cool. I think what bothers you and I is that it doesn't feel like a university thing. It, it's, it's Alabama will look more like an NFL stadium, which college stadiums and the college game have a certain uh, feeling to them. They elicit a certain feeling, right? It's 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 just a more what am I? What's the word? Intimate thing than an NFL stadium, which is more it's flash. Just, the thing is, Bryant Denny right now just looks so. It looks iconic. It's just it's a coliseum. It is a place where gladiators go. It is iconic. It's symmetrical. It's classic. You've got the big columns, the red brick, the giant, intimidating. Uh, overbearing and impressively strong structure that holds these giant cascading lights and now you're going to take just one section lift it completely out and then just smack a video board in it it ruins the symmetry it ruins the the backside is what's going to bother me it's going to look hideous cuz I would like it better if they took that entire back section out. If they took the entire south end zone seats out, I would feel better about it than I do having a little. Who's going to sit in those corner seats? Oh man, uh, they're going. Those are going to have to be the you know 
people will sit in them because Alabama's playing football on the field that day. Don't get me wrong, but um, no, I think I do think you dislike it more than I do. I, I think I, I do. I, it looks like we're playing in a shiny garbage can that's asymmetrical. Maybe it'll look really cool. Let's. I'm going to kind of. Hey, maybe it'll. Maybe it'll be fine. I'm again. I'm not super pumped. Right. If if you had told me, you know, two nights ago, Alabama is about to renovate the stadium in a big way, I would have been like, oh, sweet. Oh, I can't wait to see what they do. And this is kind of. I'm not saying it's a step. Uh, I mean, Alabama football is always going to be Alabama football for what they do on the field. I don't super get up in arms, but there is the Brian Denny Stadium I went to is going to look a lot different the next time I go when it looks like that. Yeah, it's just it's going to have it's not. Again, there's a certain intimacy and 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 just kind of classicness to, you know, college football stadiums. The Rose Bowl, uh, Beaver Stadium, Kyle Field, they all have this same look. And Alabama, Brian Denny Stadium was one of those schools that kind of had that Rose Bowl feel, that classic Notre Dame Stadium, right? Bryant Denny Stadium was one of the when you say Notre Dame Stadium, when you say the Rose Bowl, when you say Kyle Field, your brain thinks of the overhead image, right? The blimp image, and you see it, and it's this structure, this unbelievable structure. It's just not gonna look the same. It's gonna it's not gonna have that feel, which you know, maybe maybe ten years down the road we're like, oh, okay, this is warmed up on us. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 I'm just, as long as the team stays good, I don't really care. I mean, I guess. Sure. And, and I, I agree with you to some extent. I'm just, I'm more upset that it's like you said, it's, it's going to look more modern now. And it's, I, I just, I, I just want it. I don't know. Alabama's not a modern football team, but it just looks bad to me. It just looks asymmetrical. And I, I hate, asymmetry hey, I, I really do we're if not messing with the jerseys the plans, if you're looking for the video you can find it at pi underscore podcast yes, that's where we are can. on twitter we're on facebook at pat's interference that's p-a-t apostrophe s interference or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com and then follow us uh by clicking on those social media buttons thank you so much for listening to hashtag senior year uh sorry uh, we're a little bit l- getting later in the week a little bit but bulls are making a playoff push bricks got some uh got some things in the oven that we may talk about at a later date may not uh but you know we're we're just trying to live our lives we're just two guys who have always wanted to do this podcast so we thank you so much for listening uh brick do you have anything else uh no sir i'm good okay (laughs) well with that being said uh next week's episode what are we doing next week next week is our national that's preview a, that's a big one that's the big that's one a, one of my favorites all year you can listen it'll to probably be about as long as today's was uh right it, I, well i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see uh either way it's it's one of my favorites it's, it's where all of our predictions are made and then we can go back and see how correct we were how horribly wrong we are or both uh so it's always a fun episode be sure you're listening to that one if you're not just an alabama fan but a big college football fan that's the episode you're going to want to listen to uh i am patrick norwood he is patrick brickman uh thank you so much for listening again we couldn't do this without you always wanted to do this and your support really helps give us a uh give us a rating on itunes because that really boosts our ego uh helps us feel good about ourselves uh like comment share on all social media and most of all brick roll Roll tide. tide